Uh, Luke chapter number 2, verse 9 through 24 says this. Everybody shout the first word that you see there. Suddenly, suddenly. God's a suddenly God. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. He's talking about the shepherds. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded the shepherds. That's what you should be praying for your pastor. Lord, let the radiance of your glory surround him. Then the shepherds were terrified. Uh, that's, that's a funny statement that they, they were full of the fear of the Lord. They honored what was going on. But the angel, whoa. Yes, Lord. <laughs> but the angel reassured the shepherds, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring the people great joy. So this is actually something you could be praying for your pastor, Lord. Surround him with the radiance of your glory and let him hear a fresh word that's going to bring the people joy. Y'all see that right there? Something to pray for your pastor? Okay. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Verse 12. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in, I like what NLT says, snugly in stripes of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by the host of others and the armies of heaven, praising, everybody say praising God. Praising God. What was the first thing that took place when Jesus was born? Praise. Okay. They were praising, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is well pleased. God gave me a different kind of title for a Christmas series and it's entitled Bust a Move. And so tonight, I'm going to give you the first installment of this brand new series. Look at your neighbor and say, Bust a Move. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to minister and communicate the gospel to these amazing people at LifeGate Church, those watching online, listening to podcasts around the world. I pray today you would do what only you can do and that you would bust a move in our midst. God, I pray for those who are sick that you would bust a move and release healing. I pray for those that are struggling with anxiety that you would bust a move and you would release the peace of Yahweh. I pray for those today who are struggling with identity crisis, that are struggling with depression, that are struggling with loneliness in this Christmas season. I pray, Jesus, you could do what only you do this morning and that you would literally bust a move. Bust and move on our economics, Jesus. Bust a move in our bank accounts, Jesus. Bust a move in our relationships and our family. Reach them today. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And the people of God said amen and amen. Okay. So let me give you some, some pretext to what happened here in the Bust to Move series in Luke chapter number one. If you start reading through the Gospels, you'll see that there was this 13-year-old virgin girl by the name of? And she was engaged to a man named? Man, you guys, you guys are Bible scholars, my goodness. And so the angel appears to Mary, and, she, and he says to Mary, don't be afraid. The Lord is with you, you highly favored woman of God. You will conceive and have a son. His name will be? All right, you guys are great. His kingdom will reign forever. The Holy Spirit will, man, this is my prayer for all of us. The Holy Spirit, Mary, will come upon you in power and overshadow you. That's what I want. Come on. Don't you want that in your life? For the Holy Ghost to literally come upon you and overshadow you, like that means like you're walking away like, what just happened? You know, that kind of anointing. Okay, then in Luke chapter number two, the king, he issued a decree. He wanted to count the people, make a census. Uh, That's why, you know, all through the Bible, they'd be counting people, you know, so somebody said, I don't don't like to go to church where they count you. Well, it's just in the Bible. Okay, Joseph and Mary then head to Bethlehem because this is where Joseph was from. And so Mary, she was just like Pastor Janae yesterday, fully pregnant. 
bless her little heart, she didn't know she was going into labor. And she called Pastor Jillian. And she said, I, I just, I've had kind of a rough night. These are my symptoms. And my wife goes, honey, call your doctor. You're in labor. <laughs> so Mary was fully pregnant. And the only place they could find to lay their head was in a barn. And so they, she gave, I said they, but she's the one that gave birth to Jesus. Deron didn't have a baby, by the way. <laughs> Amen. So Mary has this baby named Jesus, and they, they're in a barn because there was no room for them in the local hotel. And Mary takes the baby and puts him in snuggy clothes, a onesie of some kind, and lays him in a food trough that pigs and horses eat out of. So we see a king being born in a pig farm that was dirty, which is symbolic. He came to take the filth off of you. The moment he was born, he was screaming, I'm going to take it from you. Isn't that a good Jesus? Come on, y'all to clap your hands on that right there. So all of a sudden, these shepherds are out in the field and they're tending to their flock and these angels showed up in the sky. That would blow my mind. Like, I don't know, you know. I don't know what the earth flatters would say or the earth rounders would say, but they were somewhere in the earth somewhere and the angels showed up. You can laugh, it's okay. And they begin to praise God. Now, we do a lot of teaching in our church about praise because we're an exuberant church. We're not, this is not a mortuary, a funeral home, a library, or a morgue. This is a church. And so they started praising God. Now, now, I've done a lot of teaching on praise, and so I don't need to dive into this too much, but I want to dive into a little bit for all of our new people. The word praise here in the Greek is the word aneo, and it comes from two other root words, which means to praise God loudly. I always can count on Daylin. It means to praise with a concrete way. In other words, I'm, coming, I'm not coming off this wall. God is good. Don't matter my surroundings. Don't matter what I'm going through. God is good. God is faithful. That's what praise is. God will deliver. God will heal. God will save. I'm going to stand right here on concrete and praise so loud that I cause a disturbance. God is good. The other day, my little girl, she, she, we have like a room in our house that we go pray in, and it's got these big old speakers, and you can hear it from a couple blocks away, and I don't care. And my little girl, she went downstairs, and she started, she started, uh, she started blasting that uh, Prophetess Juanita Bynum soundtrack, Show Me Your Face. I don't know if you know who that is or what that is, but that's a powerful track. She starts, she starts blasting that in our prayer room, and all of a sudden, I hear her start to stir up, and it was loud. Our voices go to the, the note, you know. She was like, Oh, I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. And I told my wife, I said, do you, hear, do you hear our baby? She said, how could you not? See, I get uncomfortable with church folk that don't praise during praise and worship. I'm uncomfortable with a church that don't magnify God at his own house. I'm uncomfortable with some of y'all. Some of y'all stare at the screen. You don't stare into the heaven. I'm uncomfortable with you. 
because the presence of a king demands the response of the people who follow and if God has ever been good to you if God has ever healed your body if God has ever saved your soul if God has ever changed you set you free rearranged you you ought to have a praise deep down on the inside of your spirit that honors magnifies God loudly that's why some of you religious folk can't praise him but I've come to find a church on 2911 Blue Ridge Boulevard that don't care they gotta praise him somebody say bust a move push your neighbor say bust a move uh-huh. somebody say yes look at your neighbor and say what kind of church are we in right now you in a one that you're in a church that honors God that's the kind of church you're in you're in a church that cares about God more than you you're in a church that wants his presence to manifest more than we want you to manifest you in a praising Pentecostal Holy Ghost filled fire baptized church of Jesus Christ somebody say bust the move now 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 so that's 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 how we do it we got a how to praise God. Here's what I'm learning as a pastor. But there's a why to praise God. And I've learned that most people, even here at LifeGate, that don't praise God, it's because they don't have a why. They don't get it. They don't praise because they don't understand why. And today I want to give you some whys. I want to give you a why we praise God. The same reason the angels praise God is the same reason we praise God. They had a why. They knew why they were praising. Because they knew God in his, in his, in his majestic, omnipotent power looked down to a frail humanity that was lost, that was broken, that was addicted, that was anxious, that was depressed. And God knew that the only way to put Humpty Dumpty back together again is if the king himself came, born of a virgin woman, and birthed into a stable to set the captive free. That's why we praise him. Because literally Jesus came to bust a move. I feel like preaching today. My God. I wore a suit and everything. Praise God. Jesus came to bust a move. Now history proves. You can't, you can't argue. History has. I don't believe in Jesus. That's okay. You don't have to believe him. Don't matter. You, you can stay there if you want. It's, it's a fool that said in their heart there is no God. So by definition of the Bible. So you don't have to believe. But history proves that Jesus was on this planet. History proves that Jesus fulfilled 351 prophecies concerning his coming already. So I got to research in this. What is the probability of one person fulfilling 351 prophecies? Well, some other people have thought that way too. And a professor at Westmont took science as his approach and said, I'm going to prove that Jesus wasn't here through science. Well, he got dumbfounded. The class began to research. 
And they had to stop once they got to 48 prophecies being fulfilled because the mathematical equation went too far. <laughs> they said, what is the chances of one person fulfilling 48, they started one, one prophecy. Then it was two, three, four. When they got to 48, I want you to look how big this number is. It was one in that many chances. One plus 157 zeros to follow it. All through the Bible, Jesus is seen doing what he did then, but he's still doing what he does now. In Genesis, he was the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he was the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he was the great high priest, but in Numbers, he's a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet likened unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of the Lord's host. You get over to Matthew, He's the Messiah. Mark, the wonder worker. Luke, the son of man. John, the son of God. Acts, the mighty baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. But when you get to Revelation, he is the soon coming king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus will continue. Somebody shout to bust a move. wonder what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, even doubting Thomas, wonder what he thought. I wonder what Judas thought when Jesus grabbed his iPhone and pulled up his favorite song on YouTube, dressed in yellow. She says, hello. Come sit next to me, you fine fellow. Jesus runs over there without a second to lose. What comes next? Bust the move. You want it? Baby, he's got it. I said, you want it? B -b -b Baby, he's bust the move. Uh, cause you want it. Uh, cause he's got it. Uh, cause you want it. B -b Baby, he just bust the move. That's the only part of the song you can sing in church. Praise God. I looked up to the words and I'm like, I can't sing that in church. Everywhere Jesus went, that was his theme song. He showed up in the church, and a man possessed with a demon ran to him. And he said, bust a move. And deliverance came. Jairus ran to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick and dying. Jesus said, oh, hold on, watch me work. And he went into Jairus' house, and he busted a move. There was a woman with the issue of blood who suffered 12 long years and could not get better. Jesus walks upon the scene and he busted a move. There was a man with a withered hand. He could not get help. He could not be made whole. And the Bible said Jesus looked at the man with the withered hand and said, be thou restored. Stretch it out. And he busted a move. Jesus steps off a boat on the Isle of the Gadarenes in Mark chapter number 6 and there met him a man who was possessed with a legion of demons Jesus busted a move and said come out 
Look at your neighbor say he's still busting a move. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's going to do it for you. If he did it for the woman with the issue of blood, he's going to do it for you. He was, he is, he will be busting a move. Look at your neighbor said, that's our why. That's why I praise him. See, when you don't have a praise, it's because you forgot. You forgot what he did for you. Come on, chop over in Djibouti, Africa. When you bowed your knee to Jesus on that airplane on the way there, he was full of sin, full of addiction, full of narcotic addiction. But Jesus walked up in that airplane and busted a move. when you came to our church you was on the brink of divorce your life was falling apart you thought God could not move for you but Jesus stepped on in and bu busted a move look at your neighbor say bust a move I think of Brittany Wilder when she looked into the eyes of the doctor and the doctor said you've got cancer but you better not count Jesus out baby because Jesus walked into the hospital room touched her body and busted a move let's not forget about brother Murillo's testimony on this morning he got delivered he got healed he got set free because Jesus busted a move now look at your neighbor say hey neighbor why don't you wake up and give God a praise because he's about to bust a move in your life today somebody say bust a move he never left me bust a move he never forsook me bust a move when I was down and out bust a move when I was hurting lost and lonely Watch him bust a move and bring Katie Winslow home. Hey, watch him bust a move and bring Bird home. Come on, somebody. I'm so thankful that Jesus is still working. You don't want none. Give your neighbor a high five and say he's doing it. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I think of the goodness of God, hey, and all He's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah. David said, Oh, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let our soul make boast in the Lord. Let us magnify the Lord together. You got to get a why in your soul. I was depressed, y'all. 
I had a loaded shotgun in my mouth. I pulled the trigger and it misfired when I was 18 years old in my grandparents' basement. But Jesus met me there. I, I give you praise, God. I thank you for the time I should have been dead. But mercy stood up in the room and you busted a move. I praise you. I thank you. I give you all the glory. Somebody give him some praise in the room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Woo! Every once in a while, Nick Elder will say, Woo! I'm starting to understand what Nick Elder is saying. Woo! I got a praise in my heart, a victory in my step. Listen, you say, What has happened to my pastor? He got elevated. My father-in-law messed me all up. He sent me these videos. I'll be seated. You don't make me hurry. None of them are. My father-in-law sent me these videos. And when I was, I was preaching, I was probably 24. And I was crazy. Y'all think I'm crazy now. Better thank God for Pastor Julian. Praise God. I was watching these videos. I got convicted. I said, I've lost myself. I said, I'm not that guy anymore. How do I get back to that guy? And the Lord has been showing me so many things since I made that confession. One of the things he told me is he said, you're, you're trying to create a sermon out of your devotion time. And you're not just chilling and let me speak to you. So I completely stopped preparing for sermons. I ain't doing it no more. I did not prepare a sermon today. This all came from devotion. I'm hungry for the presence of God. They used to say growing up, Dr. Hart would say, I'm ruined. Not ruined, but ruined. I feel ruined in my heart, in my spirit. I don't want, I don't want what I used to have. I don't want to preach like I used to preach. Well, we won five points in a poem from a nice sermonette. That's not me. I'm wild. They called me in India the bald-headed fireball. That's what they called me in India. I want to uphold that standard. I'm the bald-headed fireball. I don't want a lazy faith. Hello, somebody. I don't want a shoutless lifestyle. Hello, somebody. I don't come late. I don't leave early in the presence of God. I want everything I can get from Jesus. From the top to the bottom, I want him to show up and bust a move. You say, why you preach like that? Why you always be singing and preaching is what I do. I didn't join your church. You joined mine. Somebody say yes. There's lots of calm pastors in this. I'm not one of them. I don't wear a head mic. No condemnation to those who do. I don't sit on a stool. No condemnation to those who do. I wear gaudy stuff. No condemnation to those who don't. I'm wearing a blue suit, y'all. A blue suit. Who does? What am I trying to be a Smurf? Who does that? It's me. This is what you got when you signed up. I changed for Jesus and I changed for mentors. 
Somebody say yes. yes. Okay, now I got to give you some teaching. So get your notes out. Get your pins out. John chapter 6. Their huge crowd shows up to follow Jesus. Man, I feel the anointing in here today. There's 12 to 15,000 people there. Your Bible says 5,000 men. Well, you know, like me, I ain't, I ain't rolling by myself nowhere. It's going to be me and my wife and little Olivia. Little schmoo. Okay. And the Bible said these people were following Jesus because he kept busting moves everywhere he went. Miracles. Signs. Healing the sick. And they knew that Jesus was their supply. Now, Jesus, you know, he, if you study the life of Jesus, he was fully man, but he was still fully God. You know, he told, he told his disciple, he said, hey, we need money. He said, when you might go down there, get a fish. Catch you a fish. Open up its mouth. You're going to find some money in the fish. Well, fish represent people in the Bible. He told Simon and Andrew, I'll make you fishers of men, right? So people represent, uh, fish represent people in the Bible. So the moral of the story is, if we need resources... Maybe we're the fishes to give it for those that need it. A lot of times God can't be Jehovah Jireh because we don't let him, we don't let him become Jehovah Jireh through us. So Jesus knew these people that were there were in need. Now I want you to see how the Lord works. He says, all these people here, they're hungry. They need food. They need resource. He could have supplied it. He saw the children of Israel in the wilderness, and he said, manna, fall from heaven, and that's how he fed them. He said, quail, fall from heaven. I wonder what it looked like that day. And it fell from heaven for two-something million people. It'd be like all of Kansas City having quail fall down for all of us to eat tonight. Gross. I mean, can you imagine? But you'd be like this. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. We'd be called State Farm for quail insurance. Not hail insurance, but quail insurance. For the prophet of God, he grabs a raven and has the raven bring the prophet of God food, supply. He makes the barrel of the widow woman sustain and stay full because he's supply. He has got a gigantic refrigerator, a big savings account. A big storage unit full of stuff for his children. But there's three things I want to show you. How Jesus busted a move and what it took for those that were watching him bust a move to receive him busting a move in their life. Number one, everybody shout faith. faith. You got quiet on me, everybody shout faith. faith. Hold down an E flat minor when they do and then they can shout faith. Ready? Shout faith. faith. Okay, that's good. John chapter 6 and verse 9. There is a young boy here, Jesus, and he's got five barley loaves and two fish. There's a young boy here, Jesus. He's got five barley There's, there's thousands of people, 15,000 people, and, and, and you're bringing me a couple fish and a couple pieces of bread. Uh, yes, I am, Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is not moved by our need. He knows we're all in need today. He's moved by our faith. You can't manipulate him with your tears. He's moved by faith. 
You can't manipulate God with your sob stories. Jesus is moved, everybody shouted, by faith. Okay, I'm going to make a statement, but let me work it out. Jesus will move in your life when you move. Jesus moves when we move. Let me show you. John chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, the Bible said, Philip, Jesus said to him, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Jesus is asking Philip, hey, Philip, where can, where, where can you and I together as a resource, Philip, you're my resource. It's a funny conversation. Jesus asks a man, where can you and I go get the stuff? <laughs> Philip says, we don't have it. Now, Philip's kind of silly. At what point when Jesus audibly speaks to you and asks you a question about something you need, do we say, well, God, we don't, we, you and I don't have it? Well, we don't say that out loud, but we say that in how we live with our faith. Come on in here. Come on. We, we, I ain't got it. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. Improper English. I ain't got it. I ain't got it. What Philip should have said was not we, but I don't have it. What you thinking about? If God asks us a question, can I just help you out real quickly? It's rhetorical. He's not really asking you. He's trying to prove a point to you. He was trying to get Philip to say, Lord, you're my resource. Please educate me and lead me on, Jesus. Lead me on. Take me by the hand. Lead me into the promised land, Lord Jesus. Help me out today. But Philip put Jesus into the category of his own humanity. <laughs> so then, verse 8, God always has an Andrew. Andrew stands up, Simon Peter's brother, and he speaks up and he says, there is a young boy here, Jesus. Stop talking to Philip. He don't know what he's talking about. Come over here, Jesus, because I've seen you work before. And this young boy's got five loaves and two fishes. Now, what took, what, what was it within Andrew that got Andrew's spirit to jump up to say, take uh, this little kid's bit or, or what we have won't meet our needs, so let's use this. Or th this isn't our harvest, uh, but this little kid's got a seed. So what, what do we do with this seed, Jesus? Well, what was it within Andrew that Philip didn't have? Well, Andrew was one of the first disciples. Jesus walks to his cousins who were there fixing their boats, and he walks up to them, and it says we, so I know it's them. It wasn't just Simon. And they had fished all night long. Now, don't think like their fishing was out of here at Lake Jacomo with the fishing pole. No, they were fishermen by trade. Think of like, what's that show on the Discovery? Nobody knows. Praise God. The deadliest catch kind of stuff. It was a fishing company. Jesus walks up to Peter and says, hey, Peter, um, this is not 2024, 2023. We don't have microphones yet. We don't have sound systems yet. I need you to take me out on the lake because when I speak, there's masses of people here that need to hear me, and this will help project like an amplifier. So Peter says, okay, but I'm tired. Listen, we've been fishing all night long. He says, yeah, I'm about, I'm about to address that. So, so Jesus gets in the boat. They go out to the water, and Jesus gets done preaching. Good preacher. I haven't found any MP3 clips, but I'm pretty sure. He, I said MP3. What are we in 1998? Like, what's wrong with me? I just said MP3, y'all. What is wrong with me? What, what is this in here? Napstar? Like, what's wrong with me? Praise God. If you don't know what Napstar is, don't worry. Okay. I can't confess or deny that I used it. Praise the Lord. Okay. Jesus is on the boat, and he starts talking over the water. Preaches. I don't know what he was preaching on. The Bible don't tell us. I think he might have been preaching on faith. Here's why. 
Because then he looks at Simon, who's in the boat with other fishermen, and it's believed that Andrew was right there with him. And says, hey, Simon, throw your nets on the other side. Go way down deep. And, and Simon's response, bless his little heart, he said, I've been doing this all night. I think what he was really internally thinking is, you're the preacher, I'm the businessman, leave business to me and preaching to you. That's what some of y'all do to me. <laughs> I got him. Okay, watch this. Come on, Nick. Woo! Do it for the people in the back. Woo! So Peter, Andrew there with him, they put their nets way down into the deep and Jesus busts a move. The Bible said their nets begin to break because the catch was so great that they had to call their other boats in to come collect the fish that Jesus produced for them when they had nothing. Yeah. See, it took their faith to throw the net over to get the fish. So Andrew's here in this conversation between Jesus and Philip, and he says, Philip, listen, I know this is crazy, but be quiet. <laughs> he says, Jesus, I remember what you did. For your uncle's company on the water that day when you called us and we dropped our nets because it blew our minds and started following you he says Andrew you got to pay attention or he said Philip you got to pay attention I watched what Jesus is about to do he said just like all we had before was empty nets we have this basket that's really empty and there's just a few fish in here and fish was the miracle you gave me before Fish was the miracle you gave me before. You multiplied my fish before. So Philip, just be still. And oh, he's got to watch him work. And so he said, here is my little. Make it much. <laughs> and Jesus does what only Jesus can do. He responded to his faith. Number two, you got to have a seed. Everybody say seed. Everybody say faith. Y'all got quiet when I said seed. Seed. How do you grow apples? And you guys are like making me feel dumb up here. How do you grow cucumbers? How do you grow oranges? Seeds. John 6, 11 says this. Then Jesus took the seed... Sorry, I mean the loaves and the fish. What's in loaves? Seed. Fish. Fish came from a starter with a seed. Come on, human growth development. Use your imagination. Seed. That the kid gave. So Jesus takes the seed with faith. They took, they, he gave it in faith. Y'all are quiet today. I love it. I love it. Hope you're like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to apply this to my life. The seed, watch me, the seed was not enough in the hands of the kid. Five loaves and two fishes. I mean, I'm not a brain scientist. I mean, a, a nuclear physicist or a scientist or an engineer, but five loaves, two fishes cannot feed 15,000 people. If it, was, if it isn't what you need is what the little boy thought, then it's got to be my seed. If it isn't what I need, then it must be a seed. Come on in here. 
Say, Pat, see, I'm believing God for, I'm believing God for a miracle. Amen. Them bathrooms downstairs are going to cost about $35,000 a piece for bathrooms, y'all. But God knows we need bathrooms. Praise the Lord. So you know what I did this year? I took a $10,000 seed and sowed it. Y'all are looking at me funny. Why? Because that, I, that's not what I needed. I don't need $10,000. We need like $2.5 million. So if it's not my harvest, then it must be my seed. But now watch, because I've learned a sacrificial seed produces a supernatural harvest. Last year, at this service, my wife and I gave $1,000 for end-of-the-year giving. A few months later, we were handed a cash envelope for my wife and I with $10,000 in it. Weren't looking for it. Well, we were looking for a harvest. We just know what that harvest would be. Y'all are really quiet. Come on. Is this church all about money? No, this church is not all about money. But you need money to do church? Just like you needed money to come to church today. You didn't come here up for free. Have you seen the gas prices? You're going to leave here and I hope all you eat today. That's not free neither. I don't care if it's ramen noodles or if it's a steak at Herf. It's going to cost you money. The world isn't free. It costs a sacrificial seed produces a supernatural harvest. Well, Bishop, I can't afford to give nothing. Well, that's awfully Philip of you. Wow. Look at this kid. I don't know where this kid, this kid, this kid got these five, five and two. I don't know where he got them from. I think he was on his way home from the market. His mama probably said, I want you to take this $5. $10, go up here to the market, and I want you to get five loaves and two fishes. Is that right? Wait. Five loaves, two fishes. Yeah. I, I do that sometimes, put them backwards. Okay. And so, so, the, so the boy's coming home, and he sees all these people out here, and he's just minding his own business. What in the world? Oh, what's he saying? My God. Whoa. Whoa, Jesus. He makes his way past all the people, a little kid. He says, hey, Philippi, Philip, whatever your name is, I got some food. If he's saying all that stuff about faith, and he did it for you with the fish, what he did with you for the, I want to get my fish. Can he multiply this? After he gave it, I wonder how the kid felt. My mama's going to kill me. She's going to take off her hoops, take off her shoe, and throw it at me. I'm dead. Come on in here. You spent the last bit of grocery money and you coming home with nothing. You are grounded. I'm going to whip your behind, put the Xbox in the closet. You are grounded. Sometimes when we give a seed, when we're in need, that's how we feel. What did I just do? <laughs> but a scary seed produces a stupid harvest. A scary seed produces a stupid harvest. You know what a stupid harvest is? That is dumb right there. That is, how did this happen? That is so dumb. You dumb. That's dumb. Amazing harvest. Make no sense. 
blows your mind. Anybody in the room can say amen. amen. See, you never have to give, but if you never give, you'll always lack. You never have to sow big. I don't want yourself. That's what you think I'm trying to do today. But if you don't sow big, don't expect to reap big either. Well, pastor, how are you so blessed? I have given myself until it hurt. Huh? I don't care. Listen, I don't apologize for being blessed. I don't apologize for what I have. People say to me, why do you have all that stuff? You shouldn't have all that. You should give it to the poor. Okay, Judas. That's what Judas said. The law of the kingdom is as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time. You can sow if you want to. You don't have to. You don't have to sow. But no harvest without no seed. Seed time and harvest. If you want to harvest and live in overflow, you got to sow a painful seed. Three things about seed. I'm going to hurry. Three things about seed that you got to know. Number one, you got to have the right soil. You got to have the right soil. You can't, you can't plant cucumbers in the Colorado Rocky Mountains. It won't grow. But you plant cucumber seeds in your backyard in the springtime of, in Kansas City, Missouri, you're going to reap a harvest in the fall. Come on in here. This is good soil to sow into, LifeGate Church. Come on, Jeremy got set free of opiate addiction in our church. Good soil. Benjamin gave his life to Jesus in our church. It's pretty good. Chop got set free listening to our podcast in Djibouti, Africa uh, through our church. Come on in here. I already told you about the Pinyas. You know Bernard Murillo? He preached last week. He's a first-generation Christian. Guess where he got saved? Right here in this soil. If God has ever done for you anything for you in this church, can you just testify real quick? Say amen. All right. There's your proof of good soil. So you got to have good soil. The second thing that you need for a seed to work is you got to have the right season to sow. Soil and season. Bless her heart, Miss Kelsey. I want to publicly thank you for partnering with BGM. She helps me to go around the world and to minister to other churches. By, and she's got her own struggle. She's, she's got her own. And it, I, got, I felt a little embarrassed when I was told that she'd been sewing into Brian Gallardo Ministries. And I thank you for being a partner with me to help me go further the kingdom of the gospel. You're helping churches, ministers, pastors, and you've been a huge blessing. And you're helping me get to the other side of the world, by the way. I took everything you gave and it's going toward the other side of the world to help stop human trafficking. I, I honor you and thank you for it. So with the seed, you got to have the right soil, but you got to have the right season. You, can't t- you cannot take cucumber seed and plant it right now. It don't work. It, it won't work. Wrong season to sow. At our church, we have two major seasons of sowing, resurrection seed offering and the end of the year giving. Amen, church. Those are our main targeted Overflow offerings where we give to what I call hurt offerings. That's what my wife and I do. This is going to hurt us a little bit. We're going to feel this seed leaving the farm. (laughs) Amen, church. But the good thing about that is I sow into my future. That's what the end of the year is. So last year, we, we, I proclaimed that it was going to be the year of elevation this year. So the last, the last end of the year giving, I sowed my seed toward that, that this year we would elevate. And we did just that. You know that my influence almost multiplied by five times? And was consecrated by one of the greatest generals on the planet just a few months ago or a month ago, whenever that was, into the office of a bishop to help oversee other pastors. That's elevation. So I sowed into that, that season, and I'm reaping. Y'all ready for the third one? So you need need good good season, you need good soil, but you got to have the right seed. 
So look at your neighbor and say, let's talk about seed for two seconds. Look back at him and say, that's a lie. He's going to take five. <laughs> if you don't feel it leaving you, you won't see it coming to you. That's what a seed is. It's not, oh, bless God, brother, here's $5. I mean, that is a seed, but it's not really a sacrifice. Because Paul said in 2 Corinthians, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. What's he saying? If you don't feel it leaving you, you won't see it coming to you. Because your harvest is determined off the base of your sacrifice given. Remember this, he said, don't forget it. Okay, so here's three things to move, to, to move the Lord, to move in your situation. Faith, everybody say faith. faith. Everybody say seed. seed. And number three, everybody shout the word thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So in John chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks. Jesus literally gave thanks for the seed. And then he distributed it. When you give seed to the Lord, it's time to give thanks as you give it. What are you thanking him for? For what's on the way. Well, pastor, I just give and I don't expect nothing in return. What's wrong with you? That would be a dumb farmer to go out and plant a corn seed and say, I don't expect nothing to happen. Well, you just wasted your time. Now, because God's law is set into motion, you're still going to reap off of it, whether you expect it or not, because God is God. And it will happen. It will come back to you. Amen. Everybody shout good measure. Okay, so in conclusion, don't you love when preachers say that? In conclusion, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says that God loves a cheerful giver. So when you come, do what Jesus did and give thanks for putting seed in your hand to be able to sow. Luke chapter number six concludes and look, what, look at the harvest that happened. They ate as much as they wanted. No one, nobody went without food. Everybody was full. There were baskets left over and the boy who brought one basket left with 12. 12 times what he gave. Now, I don't know about you, I'd like a 12-time return.